turn in Holy Scripture to John chapter 11, verse 45. John 11, verse 45, and we will read through John 12, verse 11. The text is John 12, verses 1 through 8, which speaks of Mary anointing Jesus' feet. We won't reread that due to the length, so pay special attention to John 12, 1 through 8. John 11, verse 45, picks up right after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the grave. We read, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple, What think ye? that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it, that they might take him. Now begins the verses of the text. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor, poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews heard, 
Much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. And so far do we read God's holy inspired word. And on that text is verses 1 through 8 again that we will refer to throughout the sermon. During this season of Lent, we look at an event that occurred near the end of Jesus' life. The season of Lent is the time of year right before Good Friday and Easter, a time in which we especially remember Jesus' sufferings. And this particular event that we look at tonight is an event that occurred at the end of Jesus' life, a time in which he went through much suffering. Tonight we look at an event that occurred right before the Passion Week, the last week of his life. The week before the Passion Week, Jesus was ministering in Perea. We heard about that this morning. He was ministering in Perea, a region just to the east of the Jordan River. And he told his disciples that his ministry on this earth was coming to an end. According to Luke 18, verses 31 through 33, Jesus said this, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. The disciples heard that and they were confused. Luke 18, verse 34, the next verse says they understood none of these things. They didn't understand because they didn't think he was actually going to die. They did not think that his words about death should be taken literally. They thought that he was the spiritual savior who did come to save his people from their sins, but they also thought that he was going to be an earthly king who brought deliverance from the Romans. And he hadn't done that yet, so it certainly wasn't time for him to die yet. Yet there was some concern about Jesus going to Jerusalem at this time, especially because there were Jews, especially the ones in power that were very angry with him and wanted to kill him. Jesus had recently raised Lazarus from the dead, and the Pharisees had become worried that if they let him alone, all men will believe on him. That's John 11, verse 48. They were worried about losing their, their influence on the people. So the chief priests and Pharisees had given a command that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. John 11, verse 57. Jesus' followers knew about this. On Thursday before the Passion Week, Jesus told his close followers, the disciples, that 
they were going to head towards Jerusalem. And they did. They went across the Jordan River near Jericho and then went towards Bethany, a town just two miles south of Jerusalem. They probably arrived there sometime before, just a little bit before the Saturday Sabbath began. Jesus probably stayed at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, his close friends. And on Saturday evening, Jesus was invited to a feast. And it's at that feast that the event of our text this afternoon takes place. At that feast, Mary anointed Jesus' feet, an act of love. May we learn tonight how we are to love Jesus. And may we be strengthened through the word to love him. Let's consider the text under the theme, Mary's anointing of Jesus' feet. Mary's anointing of Jesus' feet. First, the act. Second, the love. Third, the defense. The act, the love, the defense. First, the act. What happened? On the Saturday before the Passion Week, Jesus went to a feast in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. Now, We know that this was at the home of Simon the leper because of the parallel passages to John 12. Parallel passages, Mark 14 and Matthew 26, make this plain. Very likely, Jesus had at one time healed Simon of his leprosy. That's why he was called Simon the leper. And Simon had become a follower of Jesus. And now that Jesus is in town here in Bethany, Simon the leper wants to thank Jesus by having him for a feast and to commune, to fellowship with him. John 12 verse 2 tells us that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were there. Verse 2 even says that Lazarus was a guest at the table. Must have been one of the ones eating there with Jesus. And Martha, it says, served She was a server, and very likely Mary also was there to serve since it was the custom in those days that a woman would not eat in public with a man or with men. She wouldn't dine at the table with them in those days if it was a public meal. Now it turned out that Mary was going to be remembered for something other than serving at this feast. For verse 3 says this, Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. So Mary had a pound of ointment of spikenard. The spikenard was a perfume, probably from India. And it says in Mark 14, verse 3, that she had an alabaster box of this ointment. Alabaster, well, that was a box. That word is flask in Mark 14, verse 3. And this flask was made of alabaster, which was a, is a semi-transparent stone. Now, these flasks were made in such a way that in order to get the contents out, one had to break the neck 
of the flask to get at the contents inside. And we read that in Mark 14, verse 3, that Mary broke the box and emptied its contents on Jesus. This was the act of anointing him according to verse 3. And that means she applied to him the ointment. Matthew 26 and Mark 14 both say that Mary took the ointment and she put it on Jesus' head. John 12 adds that she also put it on his feet and even used her hair to spread it on his feet. Being like our perfumes, though this this substance evaporated quickly, and because of the ointment, the amount, vast amount that Mary used, you can imagine that smell filled up the room, a good smell filled the room. When Mary did this, there were others, of course, at the feast, and Mary was criticized by them for it. Judas, first of all, Judas was bothered by the cost. When Mary was anointing Jesus, Judas whispered the, the words of verse 4. He says, why was not, excuse me, it's not the words of verse 4, but verse 5. Verse 5, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now, 300 pence is a lot of money. 300 pence. In those days, working a whole day got you one pence. So 300 pence was about the amount of money you would make after working for a whole year. So she took the money that she made after working for a whole year, used it to buy that ointment, and then used all that ointment on Jesus. Kids, you imagine that. The young people, you have a job. You work all year long, then you take all that money you made, and you use it all to buy this, this perfume, and then use it all on Jesus. It was a costly ointment. Very costly, as verse 3 says, uses that word. Now, Judas said this should have been used for the poor. This should have been used to help families that are in need, to help get them the medical attention that they need, or to help get them the food they need. And the disciples agreed with Judas. Matthew 26 states that the disciples had indignation, meaning that they were led to criticize Mary also. And Mark 14 says that some murmured against her. You can imagine how this went. Judas whispering the cost, the other disciples nodding in agreement, not really thinking a whole lot about it or deeper into it, just thinking, yeah, that's a lot of money. It probably should have been used for the poor. Then imagine Mary. She heard Judas's whispers, the disciples' whispers, and you can well imagine she's probably getting nervous thinking, was this even the right thing to do? Is Jesus even happy with what I did? Does he approve? She probably became worried. But understand, what Mary did was an act of love. It was an act of love. And to understand that Mary did this in love, know that Jesus indicated she did this act by faith. Jesus indicates she did this act by faith. Let's see that. 
In response to the whispers of Judas and the disciples, Jesus said that Mary did this act with a view to his burial. John 12, verse 7 says, Then Jesus said, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this, and that is this ointment. The word against in verse 7, it means with a view to. So that verse could be translated with a view to my burying, she kept this ointment. And that fits with Matthew 26, verse 12. Jesus says the same thing. He says, for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. What does Jesus mean when he says that she put this ointment on me with a view to my burial? Understand that in those days, when a loved one died, you would take ointment like this, something like this type of perfume, and you would put it on your loved one's body when they went into the grave. That would cover the smell of a dead body. And even though your loved one was dead, that act was considered an act of love towards your loved one. Mary did that with Jesus. She anointed his body now, right here at the home of Simon the leper. She anointed his body with a view to his coming burial. Mary believed he was going to die soon with a view to that. Put the ointment on him. During his earthly ministry, Jesus spoke several times of how he was going to die. And die soon. John 10, verse 15. Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now many had heard Jesus talk about his coming death. And Mary certainly had. Mary was the one, you remember, of the two sisters that especially would sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him teach. She knew about the coming death of Christ. And now, living in Jerusalem, she was hearing the Pharisees' plans to catch Jesus, to kill him, so that she must have felt that the time of Jesus' death was near. It was close. And she must have concluded that when he died, she would not have the opportunity to put this ointment on his dead body because that body would be in the possession of his haters and they wouldn't let her anywhere near it. So, she now anointed Jesus with a view to his burial. She didn't think she would have opportunity later, so she did it at the home of Simon the leper. Now that act shows her remarkable faith, and it is remarkable faith. There were many others who heard Jesus say that his death was approaching. The disciples, they had heard him say it many times, but they did not understand or think that he was really going to die soon. They thought that he was going to be an earthly king. They thought that they were going to sit on thrones next to him. So they didn't think he was really going to die. Mary alone, of all the followers of Jesus, understood and believed that Jesus was soon going to suffer, die, and be buried. And she believed that he was going to die 
to save his people from their sins. Mary had heard Jesus talk about that too, the purpose of his death. Jesus had taught the purpose of his death would be to save his people from sin and hell. It's Mark 10, verse 45. Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus made clear he was going to pay the redemption price for his people, paying for their sins. Mary heard Jesus say those types of things when she sat at his feet and listened to him teach. And she believed he was coming to do exactly what he said. He had come to do that, to die, save his people from hell. And she believed that Jesus was her Savior. She believed in him for all of her salvation. Mary was a woman that saw her own sin and had humility. It's made evident by the fact that she took her hair and wiped his feet with her hair. In that society, a woman using her hair for this, that was an expression of humility. And she was humble as one who saw her sin, saw that she could not save herself. She needed Jesus to save her from her sins. That was Mary. She was a believer, trusting in Jesus for salvation. Now, what do we think about Jesus coming? You may not be mistaken about it as many are today. And kids, you may not be mistaken about it either. There are some today who say that Jesus came simply to be a great teacher and teach us how to love. And others say he came to be a great example to show us how to love. And some say he came to be a great advocate for social justice and to teach us that discrimination is wrong and to help the poor. They will act like Jesus came here to show us really how to set up a great earthly kingdom where there isn't discrimination, where there isn't this unrest or wars, and where there isn't poverty. Jesus came to show us what kind of kingdom to set up, and now it's the church's job to set up that kind of kingdom on this earth. That idea is certainly out there today in the church world. That's the job of the church, they say, set up an earthly kingdom like that, like Jesus showed us how to do. That's what they say. But see, that's not what Jesus came here to do. Jesus came here to save his people from their sins and gain for them salvation from hell. See your own sins today, this afternoon. See them and trust in Jesus for all of your salvation as Mary did. And if you do believe, recognize it is only because God has worked in us to believe in Him. Praise God. Mary anointed Jesus' feet by faith. And thus, this was an act of love. Mary believed that Jesus was going to die for her sins, so she anointed His feet in love. 
There was likely nothing she owned that cost more than this ointment. This was her most treasured possession, and she used it on her Lord, seeking his good and seeking his glory. She showed care by using this upon the Lord Jesus Christ. She was seeking his glory by using it on him. She took her most treasured possession, 300 pence. She used it all on him. She was saying by that act, he's great. This Jesus, he is great. I'll use this, all this ointment on him right here, right now. He's so important. This was a good work. This was a work that flowed out of faith. This was a work done to the the glory of God. By this act, Mary was not minimizing the need to care for the poor. Judas acted like she was, but she wasn't. She could show this love to Jesus and use this ointment on him and also help the poor. There's no doubt that Mary did that as one who was so thankful for her Savior, Jesus Christ. She certainly was one who sought to help the least of these her brethren, as Jesus called her and others to do when he taught. Now to see Mary's great love further, contrast how she used her money with Judas' view of money and actions towards money. Verse 6 gives commentary on why Judas wanted Mary to give this money to the poor. Verse 6 says, This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Judas was the one in charge of the money that people would give to the disciples. The disciples were, they would get money from people and then they would take that money and distribute it to the poor who were in need. While that money people gave to the disciples went to Judas, he was in charge of the money. And what he would often do is he would take some of that money that was supposed to go to the poor and keep it for himself. Judas didn't love Jesus. Judas loved riches. Judas did not believe in Jesus for all of his salvation. Judas followed Jesus because he thought Jesus was going to be an earthly king. And being one who was close to Jesus, he would have a place of honor and place of great, great position in this earthly kingdom that he dreamed of. He would be wealthy. He would be honored. Now, verse 6 shows then a huge contrast between Mary and Judas. Judas loved riches. Mary loved Jesus and was willing to use so much of her money to serve him. Now, what made this difference? Kids, you know the answer to that question. What made the difference between how Judas acted and how Mary acted? The answer is not that Mary was so much greater in herself. The answer is that God worked in Mary. God worked in Mary. By nature, she was no different than Judas. By nature, she was incapable of doing anything good and inclined to all wickedness. 
She had sinned in Adam, and a sinful nature was passed on to her. Left to herself, she would only sin and wouldn't love the Lord. Left to herself, she would have the same view of money and act just like Judas did about it. She would have used that money she had, the 300 pence, for herself. Think of all the things she could have done to her home with that money. All the nice decorating she could have done. Think about the trip maybe she could have gone on. She could have done so much with that 300 pence. Maybe she even could have used it for the poor, but left to herself, she would have given it to them seeking the glory of her own name. The only way that Mary could be different than Judas was because of God's powerful work in her. He gave her faith. God gave Mary the gift of faith so that she was different than Judas. She believed in Jesus for all of her salvation and knew He was the Savior. God gave Mary the gift of faith so that she believed in Jesus and then sought to use these gifts that she had been given, physical gifts, to show love to Jesus. What a work that God did in her to deny herself and seek, show care for the Lord and seek His glory, show love to Him. Now what about us? What about us? How are, how are we to show love to Jesus as Mary did? We can't go up to Jesus today and put ointment on His feet. So how are we to show love to Him today as Mary did? Well, first of all, this way. We show love to Jesus today by helping the members of His church that are in need. We show love by helping the members of His church that are in need. That comes from Matthew 25, 35 through 36. Matthew 25, 35 through 36, Jesus says, For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. And then verse 40 explains, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. We love Jesus, then, according to Jesus' own words, we love him by showing love to his precious, blood-bought sheep. His sheep are precious to him as those for whom he died and as those to whom he's connected by the bond of faith. So when we help fellow church members here in need, we are showing love to him. And so give generously to the benevolent fund seeking to help those who are in need. Go visit those who could use a visit in this congregation. Maybe the elderly, someone in the nursing home, how much they love that visit when you come. Or even bring your kids along with you to see them. You can visit with them, talk with them, read a short passage of 
encouraging passage from Scripture with them. And help those who have faced a difficult way in life, maybe it's due to their, even their own sin. We can so easily begin to think, well, look at what they've done. Look at that deed they did. Well, that's a person we can help. We can bring encouragement to them. Maybe go to the cross even with them. Or tell them, I'll help you. I'll be with you. I'll help you, you live unto the Lord. Let's do it together. Let's turn to Him together and serve Him. What a way to help others in the church. You talk to your spouse, though, about those ways that you can help others in the church. Talk with your family about that. When we show love to those in need here in this congregation, that's showing love to Christ. We show love to Jesus by helping other members in the church. We also show love to Him by supporting the spread of the gospel. Supporting the spread of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel is used by God to bring His people, His elect, to believe in Him and to serve Him in life. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Also, it's only when the gospel is preached to all the world and the last elect is brought to believe in Jesus Christ. That's when the end comes, according to Matthew chapter 24. That's when Christ will return in great power and glory. Matthew 24 verse 14 says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Then Christ will return with power and great glory. Matthew 24 verse 30. And that Christ will return at the end with power and great glory means that God's glory will be shining forth from Him. The idea is that God's power and His wisdom and His mercy and His justice and His love will be shining forth from Christ as He comes down on the clouds of glory. And in that day of judgment, Philippians 2 verse 10 says that every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The wicked will even have to acknowledge it at the end. Jesus Christ is Lord. And when that gospel is preached in all the world, Christ will return with great glory and he will bring his church to live with him in the new heavens and new earth where they will perfectly praise him forever. So, supporting the spread of the gospel now shows love to Christ. For when that gospel is preached in all the world, he comes then with great glory. And we're brought to praise him perfectly in heaven forever. So we show love to Jesus now by supporting the preaching. And do that. Do that. You, you're calling ministers right now to come preach the gospel. Continue to do that. And when God grants that minister to you, support him monetarily, but also with encouraging words to keep preaching the gospel, keep preaching the word of truth. Support the missionaries. We show love to Jesus when we support a missionary to go and preach the gospel to others and spread the word. We show love to Jesus when we speak well of the preaching of the gospel and invite others to come and hear it with us. That they too may know Him and serve Him and praise Him. 
It all serves to bring glory to Christ. Support the preaching. So we show love to Jesus by helping our fellow church members in need. Show love to him too by supporting the preaching. And we show love by coming here regularly for worship. We give of our time to come here. Spend time here sitting in the pew and standing and singing and praying. When we do that, we are being as Mary was when she put ointment on Jesus' feet. We are showing love to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, criticism might come from the world when we do these activities. Criticism might come from the world, especially regarding our use of money and time. They say that the money today must go to the poor and serve mankind in general. And especially as we near the time of Antichrist, man desires to create an earthly kingdom where there is earthly peace, there is, there's not unrest, there's not poverty, there is, is not sickness. So they say that the money today must go to help the poor in the inner city and around the world and to medical institutions. That's where the money ought to go. Now, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to give to the poor and help the sick. But they say that the money needs to stop going towards the preaching of the gospel and go to these things. That's where the money's got to go. They say you... Christians, you have lots of money. You have money. Giving it to the church and preachers is a waste. Listen to what comes forth from their mouth. There's lots of divisive things that come and hateful things, and they just want your money. Don't give to them. Focus on helping the poor in the world and on cancer research. That will truly help people. Now, some will say, too, you're, you're wasting your time on Sundays. You're not only wasting your money, you waste your time on Sundays by spending so much time in church. You'd be much better off going to the inner city and helping people for a few hours there. That would do some real good. Being at church twice is a waste of time. Now, that's a wrong criticism. That's a wrong criticism. We can help those who are in need and also support the preaching of the gospel, seeking the glory of Christ. We also are to use our time to help others, certainly, but we are to be in church too, seeking the glory of Christ. Now we show love to Christ, as Mary did, only by God's power. Kids, again, may that be very clear. Only by God's power. Left to ourselves, we'd be like Judas. We would be like Judas and we would be like the world and seek earthly wealth, prosperity, and earthly kingdom. That's where we would be. That's where our minds would go. We wouldn't care about Christ. Maybe we would say that people should follow his example and be loving towards others but we would not believe in him and would not love him. Natural man is dead in sin. So think tonight or this afternoon of where we would be 
without God's grace towards us. Our God gives us his people faith. Faith. He strengthens us to believe the truth that Christ died on the cross to save his people from their sins. He strengthens us to see our own sins, see our need for him, and lean on him for all of our salvation. God empowers us to love Jesus then in thankfulness for that salvation that we know. He strengthens me to think upon Christ's death today, as Mary did. Think upon that death and to grow in a desire to show love to him by helping others in the church that are in need, by supporting the preaching of the gospel, by coming here regularly to worship. He strengthens me to do that even through the word that I hear preached now. Praise God for that. How gracious he is. On the last place this afternoon, know that Jesus defended Mary and spoke of her act as a memorial. John 12, verses 7 and 8, give us this defense. After Judas said that the money would have been better spent on the poor, Jesus responds this way. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. So Jesus told them to stop the criticism. She's done a good thing. He indicates that she had done this out of faith with a view to his burial. She had done this in love for him who would die for her. She had sought to show such great care towards him and was seeking his glory. Jesus, the judge, defended Mary right in front of Judas and the rest of those who were at the feast. He not only defended her, but he also spoke of how her act would be a memorial. According to Mark 14, verse 9, a parallel passage, Mark 14, verse 9, Jesus said to the people, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout all the world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of For a memorial of her. That her act would be spoken of as a memorial of her. That means that her act would be remembered. And that's certainly true. Wherever the gospel is preached today, even right now, Mary's act is remembered. It's spoken of as a good thing. It's spoken of as an act of love. And that really is quite astounding. There have been so many great victories and battles won. Smart moves by generals in those battles. Game-winning baskets made and home runs, game-winning home runs hit. But they're eventually forgotten. Seems so important at the time, but eventually forgotten. Not this act of Mary. The pouring of ointment by this woman has been spoken of, and it will be spoken of until Jesus Christ returns. This act is remembered because it shows forth the greatness of God. God made her to differ. 
God brought her to believe in Jesus and to seek to show thankfulness with this ointment. Praise the Lord. And when Jesus defended Mary in front of those disciples, how thankful Mary must have been, and how thankful Mary must have been for God's work in her, for God's care for her, His grace towards her. Jesus defended this act of Mary and understand that in a sense, He also defends our acts of love towards Him. He also defends our acts of love to Him. The world speaks of our acts of love towards Christ as misguided, foolish, a waste of time. But Jesus will defend those acts of love at the judgment day. Consider Revelation 20, verse 12. It says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So all will be standing before God and the books will be opened. The books will be opened so that every deed that every man has done will be made manifest. Now Jesus will speak before every man of the acts that his people did in love for Christ. By His power, He'll speak of those acts they have done in love for Christ by His power. In Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40, Jesus says that He will remember our works of kindness towards our brethren. He will say, according to verse 40 of Matthew 25, He will say, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it Unto me. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. So God will say to us as people, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You are righteous before me based only on Christ's work, and you have sought to serve me by my power, based on Christ's work. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. How thankful we will be to God, for it will be so clear that it was only done by His strength, by His might. His glory will shine forth in all of it, so that all will say, how great is this God, Jehovah. Now, be amazed that Christ came to die for us. Be amazed at that today. He came for me. He came for you. And that God, be so amazed that God works in in us to love Him and go forward and do that this week. Show that love, helping one another here. Think of ways to do so. Supporting the preaching. Coming here regularly for worship. Love Him in those ways. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, Lord, we pray in thanksgiving to Thee that Thou hast sent Thy only begotten Son to pay for our many sins and suffer for us, and that Thou dost now live in us by Thy Spirit. And Lord, having been shown such love by Thee, may we show love to Thee. 
May we go forward this week showing love to thee in gratitude. Lord, strengthen us through the word that we have heard. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.